The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hello, everybody. I'm so glad that you could join me today for the show. I am really excited about my guest and sharing some really important information with you. So I'm glad you could tune in and be present just here in the present moment. And I mean, that's why I called the show Be Present is just a big reminder to myself to bring myself down here and just be present right now. So I'm excited about what's happening right now and the topic that we're going to bring you today because it's in the news a lot. And I'm sure that you've heard in your state uh, what's going on with legal marijuana or medical marijuana. Maybe your state has already gone legal. Maybe they're trying to get it on the ballot. People are talking about it. You're seeing a lot more in the news, there's been a lot of stuff on CNN about medical marijuana, and people are really giving it a serious look. And there's a lot of research going on with medical marijuana and what's happening today. You know, it's not just for reggae fans and stoners anymore. This is serious medicine, and people are really getting some great results from using medical marijuana. So I wanted to share some information with you. So here's just some stats so you can kind of see what's going on. Recreational marijuana is legal in nine states. Medical marijuana is legal in 30 states. So things are picking up here. A recent Gallup poll showed that 64% of Americans support legalization. So this is way over the tipping point here. More people want really you know, safe, legal medical marijuana. They want access and they want these old laws to be thrown away. You know, things have to be taken a, a look at. Oklahoma recently became the 30th state to legalize medical marijuana. This just happened recently. Nine states and Washington, D.C. have legalized marijuana for recreational use. No doctor's letter required for adults over the age of 21. And just to dispel some myths that you might have heard, a lot of people that are afraid of medical marijuana are using cannabis. They're afraid of having dispensaries in their neighborhood. There's just a lot of false information that's going on around around there. So busting some myths for you, medical marijuana legalization has actually lowered crime in U.S. states that border Mexico by as much as 13%. And that's a lot. So the myth that medical marijuana or having a dispensary in your neighborhood is going to bring in the crime is just not true. And research also shows that legal medical marijuana does not increase teen use. So the idea that having marijuana legal is going to increase people using it, especially teens, is just not true. So I just wanted to share with you some of those stats. There's a lot of information online about what's going on with recreational and with medical marijuana, and it's it's kind of top of mind. So the the guest that I wanted to introduce to you today is going to share a really incredible story about her experience with medical marijuana, her and her daughter. In, 2009, in 2013, at the age of seven, Riley Madler was diagnosed with aggressive bone tumors that disintegrated her facial bones. Her mother, Janie, had learned about the efficacy of cannabis oil and decided to start treating Riley, hoping it would minimize the growth of the tumors and prevent recurrence. 
With the help of a cannabis oil protocol, Riley defied the doctor's dire expectations. And today, Riley is healthy and happy and has become an advocate for further research into medical cannabis. In January of 2015, nine-year-old Riley at the time started her own 501c3, Riley Smile Foundation, and she began lobbying for the legal right for pediatrics to have access to medical cannabis. Riley also spoke in front of legislators in her home state of Delaware and pled her case that children like her deserve the right to a better quality of life that cannabis could offer. She got unanimous votes and Riley's law was enacted. So if you think that you can't make a difference in the world... This little girl did and got a law passed in her state. So she has since gone on to pass two more very important pediatric cannabis laws concerning administration on school grounds and also adding autism as a qualifying condition. So if you want to see more of Riley's story, just go to her website, rileyssunshine.com, and that's R-Y-L-I-E-S Sunshine. Dot com And you can check that out. So we're going to have Riley on in the second part of the show. And right now I want to bring on Riley's mom, Janie Maidler. And Janie joins me from Delaware. So Janie, I'm so glad you could be on the show to share this story. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us. So Janie, I just wanted people to find out a little bit about what your life was like before all of this happened with Riley and just kind of put you into a whole other universe because you were just a regular busy mom. You had a job, you were running a spa there in Delaware before all of this happened. So really uh, marijuana or cannabis was not a part of your life at all. Was it? No, we were actually just a very busy family with, you know, three kids. We actually had um, our third child. So, um, and he was kind of new and so we were just very busy beachgoers, and um, my husband's a special ed teacher. I had a business for about 20 years and just very active in a community, and, you know, nothing was on our radar as far as, you know, medical cannabis, um, you know, marijuana in general, just your all-American typical family. So none of this was really in, in your orbit at the time. Like, you know, you you didn't smoke marijuana or... You know, it wasn't really around you at all. Oh, no, not even, not even, nothing at all. Just, you know, nothing whatsoever was even on our radar. So you were a newbie to all of this. So Riley, when she first started getting sick, I know there was a lot of misdiagnosis in the beginning. And mm-hmm. she was so young, she was only seven. So what happened? How did you, you first started to notice that her face was looking a little lopsided and you took her to several doctors and they couldn't really figure out what was going on in the beginning. Is that right? Yeah. Um, we actually started noticing it was around July. I started noticing things. I would take her to the park and I would ask, you know, different friends of mine who were nurses, um, if they were noticing what I was noticing that the asymmetry of her face was starting to look a little bit different. And it appeared as if she had been, you know, stung by something or she, you know, one side of her face was very swollen. And I would, I thought at first it was just my imagination. And because it was so slight in the beginning. And, you know, at first nobody else noticed it. And then gradually, you know, family members would say, well, maybe she has allergies. And so I would take her to an allergist and she would, of course, you know, she'd failed the, the uh, breathing test and we didn't know why so they put her on inhalers and 
and everything you could think of. And it wasn't actually until school started that, you know, her, her school was only, you know, half a block away and she would fall asleep on the way to school. And that was when, um, I really started realizing that something, something definitely wasn't right because her energy level was, um, you know, so depleted and, and things just started progressing like really fast with the asymmetry of her face. And, um, you know, it was, it was just so obvious. Her teeth really started shifting. And at first with her teeth, I remember the dentist saying, you know, she's really going to need braces. You, you know, you just try to explain everything away. And, um, cause your mind is really not going in that direction. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, she started swallowing her teeth, they started falling out. And then she said, you know, well, all my teeth are loose. And I thought, well, that's not right. And, um, you know, that in combination with her face really swelling, it was, there was one week that it just took in a, in a really fast turn where every day it was, you could see it was, it was gaining momentum. And, um, we took her to the pediatrician and we just, we couldn't get them to do, um, an MRI, you know, as fast as we wanted them to. And so I rushed her up to AI DuPont and that was when she was diagnosed with, um, a bone tumor, but she originally was diagnosed with rhabdomyosarcoma. And, you know, they gave us, you know, some dire hopes with, you know, what was going to happen. They wanted to start um, chemotherapy immediately and they scheduled her chemo port like the very next day. And it was just a very bad situation. And she went through a pretty intensive surgery as well for that for the tumors, mm-hmm. isn't that right? So everything kind of happened at a fast pace. Yeah. Well, they um, this the surgery they scheduled um, after it was a month later, and what happened was she was actually in surgery for the chemo port, and they you know we're all we're sitting there you know praying and you know we were we had been in oncology the, all the oncologists. You know, and the nurses were in the surgery room with her, you know, getting ready for the chemo part. And she was supposed to start chemo the very, this was on a Friday, and she was supposed to start chemo on Monday. And the doctor came out, and he he literally dropped down on his knees in front of us and said to us, the roller coaster continues. And we just looked at him bewildered, and we're like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, the pathologist took a second look at her biopsy and something something doesn't look right he said it's changed and we're not 100 percent convinced that this is malignant anymore and we need to take you know another look at this before we put the chemo port in he says i can't promise you anything we might be back here on monday or next week to to re you know to do this chemo port just like we planned today he said but we you know are thinking that this might not be malignant and we're thinking this enough that we've halted the surgery. And so for us, that was a glimmer of hope and we were ready to take it. And, and, you know, with the dire situation that they had, had told us was, you know, going to happen with her, you know, it was um, going to be a struggle for her life to try to control this tumor with the diagnosis that they gave her. We, we were willing to accept whatever they said. So we were very happy that, 
you know, that something had changed with the diagnosis. And we, we just said, well, whatever, whatever it is, we'll take it. We're just so happy that this, we have a chance that this is not malignant. You must've been just terrified, you know, to get this news. And then the, the dire prognosis that they were giving you, you know, that this was a fast moving tumor, that it, it might come back, you know, even when you had the surgery is, is pretty scary. So at that point then, is when you finally started looking at, at other options and that's when you discovered cannabis? Right. Yeah. So we literally, we, we stayed up the entire night trying to figure out how to save her. And, you know, you don't leave any stone unturned. You're looking at everything and people are like throwing stuff at you and, and saying, you know, well, look into this, look into that. I mean, it was alkaline diet, black salve, any, anything you could think of. And you're, you're going down rabbit holes that you never imagined that you would even go down. And the one, like out of every 10 suggestions, um, I bet eight of them were look into cannabis, look into cannabis. And so, you know, you have to take every suggestion seriously. You can't poo-poo any of them. And because you're trying to save your daughter's life. And so, I could not find anything that was negative about cannabis. And I had reached out to a couple of moms who were also looking into it for rhabdomyosarcoma. And, you know, they were seriously looking into it and they were talking to other moms who were using it for that. But, you know, and they were, they were in touch with um, people who are using it for various types of tumors and types of cancers and, when that diagnosis changed, I went back to those moms and I said, now, look, this, this might not be malignant. This, you know, might be something different, but it's still extremely aggressive. It's still life-threatening. And I don't even know what we're dealing with. They had, they were on the 40th biopsy and they still didn't know what it was. It was so rare. And I said, I, I don't even know what we're dealing with, but I know that it's aggressive and it's, um, the reoccurrence rate from what we're understanding is, is very high. So what, what do I do now? And um, everybody came back in unison, like you still have to give it a try, you've got nothing to lose. And so that was what we went with. We decided that, you know, we'll still try this. And, you know, if we see that it's not doing anything, then we just, we just quit, we don't do it. And, uh, but we've got to at least give it a try. So at that point, I mean, you're someone that doesn't really know, I mean, what do you do? You don't know where to go to get it. You know, where are you going to get this cannabis? Because in your state, in Delaware, it it wasn't legal at that point, right? Yeah. And it was, yeah. And it was very different because, you know, five years ago, now you can, you can kind of ask a friend of a friend and find it. Back then, five years ago, it was really taboo. Like you really had to search hard to find it and especially find it where it was extracted and find it where you could get some labs on it. Like you just couldn't find it. And so we were fortunate enough to find a lady who was extracting it in Washington and uh, in the state of Washington. And she was extracting it for her husband who had lung cancer. And she was kind enough that she just said, you know, send me your daughter's um, medical records so that, you know, she could believe me. And I did. And she decided to help us. And so that was the first, you know, the first few months 
we got our product from her and um until we could find you know um you know a different a different supply but um yeah that was it was really hard and the very first time that we ordered it it was just like you know are we going to get caught is this a setup on both ends i'm sure um but it is very scary and and just trying to find somebody and we found her through it was a chain of um, moms helping each other. And it's, it's, that's how we found her. Wow. That's so great. You know, people show up a lot of times when you need it the most, <laughs> mm-hmm. which, which exactly. is so perfect. And, and you didn't know really at the time how to administer it. So maybe you're, you're probably thinking, no. what is she going to do? Eat it, smoke it. You know, you don't, you don't really know what to do at first, but this is, right. you found someone that was extracting it. So it was an oil and you used it as a tincture. With, well, with Riley, is that right? So you just yeah, kind of put it put it under her tongue, it. or how did that work? Yeah, I actually didn't use it as a tincture at first. Um, so I used it straight, and I was scared to give it to her at first. Well, I used it myself to see, you know, make sure it didn't like kill me or anything. Right. Um, I told my husband. Yeah, I told my husband um, that was. I kind of left him out of the loop a little bit because he had a, a job with the state, and I figured I need him to pass a lie detector test. Um, so I actually took it myself, and I remember thinking, I don't feel anything. So I took more. Oh, my gosh. The next thing I know, I was just like, like it really hit me hard. And that was my first learning experience. But um, so I, I did learn to, to do exactly, you know, as it said, and just like a little bit, a little drop of it. But um, so back then, like five years ago, we didn't really understand how to mix it into tinctures. We gave it straight. Um, it wasn't probably until maybe four four years ago that parents really started learning how to mix it into tinctures and and understanding the math of how to do it. Um, so it, it took us probably until this was 2013 the late 2013 was probably middle of 2014 that I actually started mixing it into tinctures and giving it to her that way Um, and that must have been scary too because you you had to do it all trial and error and like you said you had to be a guinea pig at first you know to see what happened so that must have been really you know kind of uh kind of scary to to do that at that time but you know you're in a desperate situation I mean there's a lot more information now is what you're saying for people, which, which is great. So parents have a lot more options than you did. Oh gosh. I was just, I was thinking yesterday, riding down the road, I was thinking if this were to happen today, we wouldn't be advocates like we are now because we went through so much five years ago. And like we went through of having to be guinea pigs ourselves. And every single time that I would get, a um an extraction from somebody i would get a lab report and people could fake lab reports back then so easily i mean i'm sure they could do it you know they can do it now but it's it's a little bit harder because people are so um a lot so much more educated now because they you know they can call up the lab and and talk to them and back then you didn't you weren't um as swift about it like you didn't know that hey i could call the lab and ask them if this is a false lab or not um and so whenever we would get a a lab report from somebody um you felt safe but you know who knows if it was a fake lab or not and so as parents we would always you know taste and try the medicine ourselves and we would get so in tune 
with that medicine that we could tell if it had too much ethanol in it just by how it reacted to us and how it tasted and how it smelled and and things of that nature. I remember parents would come by our house because even after um, the law was enacted, our our state dispensary, um, you know, there was no there was no standard testing here. And I remember parents would come by and say, can you smell my product and tell me if the ethanol levels were too high? And I could smell it and tell that it was. And then we would send it off for independent testing. And it would be three times the, the level. And so you get, when you've been around for like five years, you get so in tune with the medicine that you can tell. And I'm sure that a lot of people out there that have been taking it for that long, um, it's almost like cooking. You can tell if it has, you know, too much butter or too much, you have certain ingredients, too much spice. It's the same thing. You get very in tune with the medicine. And you had to do this behind your doctor's back, I guess, in a way, because you weren't, you weren't telling them really what was going on. So what was that reaction like when, uh, or how long did it take, first of all, when you started to see results with Riley? And then your doctors, Um, I'm sure, responded to that. Right, yeah. So um, it took them about a month from the time she was diagnosed to figure out how to do her surgery because it was such a difficult surgery. Um, and then when they did the surgery, there was a bit of tumor that they could not reach. So she had some tumor left behind. Now we had, um, we, I decided to not get, start giving her the oil until she had her, post MR, or her post-surgical MRI because I wanted to have proof that this was working or else I wasn't going to give it to her. Like I didn't want to give it to her unnecessarily. And so I started giving her the oil. She had her post-surgical MRI um, in December and she had her surgery in November. And here she was diagnosed back in October. By that point that she had her surgery, this tumor had aggressively eaten away like almost her whole left side of her face from the from the eye down. And so there, here they had left some tumor behind. And what we were told by the, the, um, by the specialist was that if any tumor is left behind, it is going to reoccur. Like there's just no doubt in their mind. And so that gave me more, um, you know, more incentive that, you know, this just has to work because I don't want this tumor coming back. And so we started the um, the cannabis, and then she had another MRI early the, the year of 2014, and that was, I would say, in February. And then they could right away, they had the measurements of the tumor that was left behind, um, it had already started shrinking a little bit right then. And they could also see inflammation, which the doctors were a little bit confused about because they didn't know if that meant that there was new bone regenerating or if that meant that tumor cells wanted, you know, were starting to be activated. So then the, the next MRI after that, we found out that that inflammation was actually bone regenerating. And, wow. So um, the bone was actually growing back? Yeah. So what it did was it formed like a, a, it's like a shell or a crust. And then that crust begins to get thicker and firmer is how it 
how it all worked out. Wow. So you saw real healing taking place and the doctors would just say, well, keep doing what you're doing. Like they didn't really ask Mm -hmm. you a lot of questions or no. what what did they uh, say? (laughs) Like, just keep doing what you're doing. It works. Yeah. Exactly. They would use words like, you know, gosh, we can't believe how well she's healing. This is a miracle. Like this just is amazing us. Um, At one point they sent us to Johns Hopkins, um, you know, and because there was a question as to whether she needed um, TMJ joints replaced because they had really degenerated quite a bit and they still are. But, um, we took her to, and this was um, probably about a year and a half in. Um, so we took her there, and I remember sitting in front of the doctor, and we hadn't, it was right before we came out in the public about, you know, what we had been using. And uh, Maryland was not legalized yet. And we're sitting in front of the doctor, and um, he had, he had, you know, heard or seen these types of tumors before, but not an aggressive giant cell. Um, Because there's a difference. The giant cell granuloma accounts for about 1% to 7% of uh, facial bone tumors. And the type that she had, the aggressive giant cell, accounts for about 1% of those 1% to 7%. So hers is, there might be three of them in the whole world. And she's like right there with them and they're like the worst of the worst. Um, And so he was sitting in front of her and he just kept looking at her medical charts and looking at her and and he just said, are you sure that these are her medical charts? And I said, yeah, these are hers. And and he said, you know, I cannot tell that this is the same child that she's got, that she has gone through this extensive type of surgery and that she's had this type of tumor. It does not look like her. That's unbelievable. And they just were amazed at her healing oh, yeah. he was, and, and how that happened. Awesome. We're, we're going to take a short break now. Hold, hold that thought because <laughs> I want to mm-hmm. come back and let people hear the rest of the story and what's happened to your life since all of this and how your life has changed so much and how Riley is doing today. And we're going to bring Riley on in the second segment and talk with her. I'm Diane Ray. Thanks for being present with me. Listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate Today. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. I heard from a young lady who was just starting out as a unity minister. 
and she said, I am not teaching prosperity yet in my ministry because I have not yet demonstrated it in my own life, and I don't think I should teach what I have not demonstrated. And I wrote her back and said, Honey, you've got it all backwards. You need to teach what you want to learn. You teach what you want to demonstrate because you cannot demonstrate what you do not know. There must be an inworking before there can be an outworking. To find out more about Unity Teachings, visit unity.org. Look who's making a difference in the world. It's the New Thought Walden Award honorees. Profiled in Unity Magazine, the September-October edition, Unity has joined with its New Thought partners to honor 27 leaders serving in the areas of spirituality, healing, interfaith understanding, caring for the earth, and social activism. These are people you need to know about. Pick up Unity Magazine or go online to WaldenAwards.com. Sometimes you might feel so alone with your problems, you don't know where to turn. We invite you to call Silent Unity, the 24-7 prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you every day at any hour. Listen and relax as you hear their beautiful words affirm the highest and best outcome for you and those you love. No matter what's going on in your life, Silent Unity is always standing by. Call today, 816-969-2000. Take a trip with Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Central and tune in to World Spirituality. A lifelong student and practitioner of many world spiritual teachings, Paul guides you to the unity and common values shared by all world religions. We really are all connected. Take a journey with Paul and explore our planet's spiritual landscape with insight, humor, and practical advice for all. Join the show with your question or comment right here on Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Thanks for coming back. This is Be Present. I'm Diane Ray, and I'm so glad you can join me for the second segment here because we're going to bring Riley on and hear some of her story. I've been talking with Janie Maidler about her experience with cannabis cures and medical marijuana is in the news a lot today. A lot of states are trying to pass laws to make it easier for people to use cannabis instead of opioids or as a treatment for cancer Uh, autism, a lot of other things. There's a lot more research being done into the efficacy of medical marijuana, and people are just sharing some amazing healing stories. And we've been hearing Jay uh, this hour uh, sharing her story about how Riley was able to heal from a very aggressive facial tumor um, back when she was seven. So Jay, we were talking before the break about the reaction of the doctors, and just they were so amazed at mm-hmm. the healing that had taken place. It was just incredible. And how's Riley doing today? She's doing really good. We have found our like really um, happy place where we figured out like her dosing. We figured out like what works when. Uh, unfortunately, she developed seizures about 10 days after her uh, very intense surgery. 
And so it's, it, you know, it took us a little bit to figure out the dosing for that, but we did figure it out. And she has, you know, recently um, developed a different type of seizure. So that was kind of a new learning experience, but, you know, she's doing really well. She uses, um, you know, cannabis every day. She has four different doses that she does. She also uses a topical cream for her uh, TMJ joints and her, her bone pain. And um, she uses a nasal spray for like, you know, when she has uh, moments of very intense pain. And um, so, but she's, I, the best thing is that she's able, you know, to participate in normal activities. She's able to go to friends' houses and, and spend the night and just be a normal little kid, which is what I think most kids that have been through a traumatic experience or any kind of debilitating uh, medical problem, you know, that's what's I think most important because before we were able to find that good place, um, you know, even before the law was enacted, she couldn't go to a friend's house and, and take her medicine and she couldn't have a really good day at school without her medicine. And that's really where we find the best thing is that she can, she can do all these normal activities and be a normal kid. And so now five years later from when she was first diagnosed, what is the, the tumor hasn't grown back. So she, she's pretty, pretty healthy right now. Yeah. So she's going to have to have regular scans until she's into adulthood. Um, about 22, 24 years old. Uh, she'll probably be having scans. If it does return, then we're going to have to look at therapies such as calcitonin or chemotherapy. It does have a 65% um, return rate because it is aggressive. The other people that we have found that have had the exact type of tumor like hers, um, theirs has returned multiple times. She is the only one who has had um, chemo, oh, not chemo, has had um, cannabis therapy and has gotten five years with, with no reoccurrence. Uh, there are cases where it's not as aggressive as hers and they have gotten, you know, 10 years, 15 years without a reoccurrence with other types of um, treatment like calcitonin and no um, cannabis. It's very rare that they don't have a reoccurrence, but um, with her type, the aggressive, we have not found a single person that have, has not had a reoccurrence except for her. And to us, it just points to that it has to be the cannabis therapy that is doing this. That's amazing. What a story. And so you would advocate, you you and Riley both, would you say for people that are in a similar situation that maybe have received a dire diagnosis and could use cannabis, you would say explore both, right? You know, use Western medicine and oh, yeah, cannabis definitely. as well. What What would your advice be? I, I would say explore both because until we are allowed to do more research, I don't think you should turn away um, anything that's been proven to help. So, you know, if, if you we're still using cannabis therapy for her and if hers returns while using cannabis therapy, then and the doctors tell us that we need to use chemotherapy, um, then we're going to go down that path. We're not going to 
we're not going to stop using cannabis because that would protect her. But um, we're going to explore whatever, you know, they say is the best treatment options for her. So I believe the same thing with cancer and with, you know, most of other debilitating um, conditions. And I wanted to bring Riley on and ask her a couple of questions. So, Riley, how are you doing today? Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm doing good. So, Riley, you're 12 now, right? Yeah. And so how how are you feeling now? You, you feel pretty good. Yeah, I'm feeling way better than I did when I was in second grade. I'm, like, not in pain or anything. And your life has really changed as a result of all of this experience. I mean, you're like the cannabis superstar now. I see you online speaking Mm -hmm. at all of these events, and you travel around the country with your mom sharing your experience. And you were just at a big event in Portland, and you're going to be going to Australia to speak at Canatech in Sydney. And Jay, this is going to be interesting for you, too, because I was looking at the website for Canatech in Sydney, and there's all these doctors and distinguished looking people and, you know, o- older gentlemen. And then there's a picture of Riley as a featured speaker. It's, it's just so great to kind of see her listed with all of those people. So your life has really changed too, right? Yeah. I never That's... thought that I would be like speaking to like people in Australia about cannabis. <laughs> I'm sure you never thought that was going to be the case, right? (laughs) So now you're all over the world. So Riley, I wanted to let you share your story about changing the laws in your state and, and what you did, because I think people feel that they're not powerful enough to make change and that one person can't make a change. And you really prove that that's not true. You were able to make change in your state and there's a law in your name called Riley's Law And that's got to be pretty cool to have a law with your name on it. Yeah, Yeah, I would think so, too. So Mm -hmm. how how this all started, Riley, was that you couldn't use your medicine on school grounds and you had to leave. So even when it's snowing or pouring down rain, you had to go off the property to be able to use your medicine. So that just became ridiculous after a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um the office they would call me down from my classroom in fourth grade I would have to walk down the stairs um I think two flights of stairs I'm not sure but um or floors whatever but um I like would go to the lobby where my mom was and then my mom would leave the school we'd walk over a bridge no matter what weather and um I would have to take my medicine on the bridge or you know like off school grounds and um, then she'd have to walk me back. I'd have to, like, ring this little buzzer thing to get back into my school. I would have to go back in the lobby. My mom would have to sign me back in. And then I would have to, like, go upstairs back to my classroom. And it was hard to keep up. And, like, everyone was asking why I had to leave class to take my med- medicine. And then, like, I just said, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that must have been, you know, and it makes you feel kind of singled out. You know, why do you have to leave? And then people are asking you questions. So I'm sure it just became ridiculous. And even in the winter, right, didn't you have to go out and it was freezing cold? Mm -hmm. Like once we went in a blizzard, a thunderstorm, and like other kids in wheelchairs or like, you know, kids who can't go downstairs or have oxygen tanks, stuff like that, 
they can't, like, go out in weather like that, and they can't, like, leave school grounds like I could to take their medicine, you know? So I thought that it was just all ridiculous, and I had to change that. And you did. So you and your mom actually have a law called Riley's Law, and this enables you and and other kids in your situation to be able to use cannabis as medicine and not have to leave school grounds or anything like that. And before that, there really Mm -hmm. wasn't any law that addressed pediatrics, right? They didn't have any laws for kids and cannabis. Yeah. So then you had to go to your state legislature, right? And you had a senator that, that helped you. And you were able to present in front of your state legislature. What was that like? So um, my mom called him and she said, hey, um, we need to talk to you and we want to, like, make a law and stuff. And then at first he was, like, against cannabis. And when, like, we invited him over to our house, um, we talked to him. And then he said he was going to help us after we talked to him. So, like, he's been going to all of my fundraisers, and he supports me 100%. And, um, so yeah. So, you're friends, right, with your state senator? Not not a lot of kids can say that. Yeah. <laughs> so, what were some of the things that he was concerned about that you were able to change his mind? Like, people have misconceptions that, oh, cannabis is, you know, going to make you dumb or... It's not effective. So did he have some of these false beliefs and you were able to change his mind? Well, he probably, like, wasn't educated and he's never really heard the real, like, scientific facts about it or, like, any information. And he probably only knew what, like, people have said, which is not true, you know? So um, I talked to him and I told him how much it helps me in my pain and other kids. And then he said that he was going to help us. That's so great. And then you must have been really proud when that day came and you're there in front of the state legislature and they all voted unanimously, didn't they? Yeah, I was so happy that I could take my medicine. And like at the time, I would like stand in front of a podium and you could only see my forehead because I was like so short. (laughs) (laughs) They couldn't give you a phone book or something to stand on at least to get your head up there? That's well, funny. I was even like standing on a stool, I think, and I st- you still couldn't see my face. It was crazy. But mo- most kids would have been really scared, but you were able to get up there and tell your story. And as a result, there's mm-hmm. a lot of other kids that are going to benefit and a lot of their families, too. So have you talked to other kids that are in a similar situation and kind of shared stories with them? So it's hard to remember, you know. Yeah, you know, just kids that kids your age that might be in a similar situation. So in addition to passing this law, which is a pretty amazing accomplishment in itself, you also have your own foundation. So what do you do at the foundation? I noticed on your website that you had a um, big fundraiser over Labor Day. Yeah, so um, my foundation, um, I started it when I was in third grade, and I wanted to give kids iPods because my mom mom gave me an iPod, and it helped distract me from all the scary things. But what I also wanted to do was to advocate for better access for medical cannabis. I wanted other kids like me to be able to take it, 
and um, I just wanted to help kids in the hospital live a happy life, you know, because you're not really happy when you're stuck in a hospital bed. No, and you've had a lot of experience with that too much for someone yeah. your age. So you, you can really understand what those kids are going through. Yeah. And really help them. So that's incredible. So if people want to find out about your foundation, they can go to RileySmileFoundation.org. And it's R-Y-L-I-E is how you spell your name, Riley Smile Foundation. And also mm-hmm. you're trying to be able to have a medicine out there. You're, you might be, are you going to be the CEO of your own company? Will, will that happen um, maybe? I don't, I don't think so. Someday. I'm too young. <laughs> but when I'm old enough, probably. <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe but someday. But you're it. also <laughs> um, trying to uh, get some medicine out there on the market through uh, and it's called rileysunshine.com or Riley mm-hmm. Sunshine is is what this is going to be. So this you're out there talking about this, you're talking to adults and you're and you're sharing your story. So what do you hope happens Riley in the next, you know, 5 years? What do you see happening with with cannabis? Do you think more people will be more accepting and be more open I to think, exploring and using it? I think if People keep educating others and um, stuff like that. Um, people would probably, you know, start like opening up to the fact that cannabis isn't bad and it's not, it's like never really harmed anyone. And hopefully in the next five years, my company would have helped like hundreds, maybe even thousands of people. Yeah, I think you will. I think you're going to help thousands and thousands of people all over the world. And you know they're doing research in a lot of other countries too, like Israel and Australia, where you're going to be going and speaking. Mm -hmm. So what do you plan to tell the people at Canatech in Sydney when you're there? So I'm going to tell them my story and how much it made me feel better and how much it, like, help me and how much it like shrink my tumor my bones regenerated my teeth roots grew back and I want to show them that something that the doctors thought impossible was possible because of cannabis well I think you're going to do an amazing job and you get to go to Australia which I've always wanted to go (laughs) maybe I'll get to go there someday I know it's going to be a really big success And everybody's really proud of you for doing this. So, Jay, I wanted to ask you, too, you know, Riley's life has really changed since all of this has happened. You left your job uh, as you were running a a health spa there in Delaware. And you've become an advocate now and medical consultant for people with various conditions asking about using cannabis. So... This has just been a total change, lifestyle change for you. And I wanted to ask you, um, when you talk to people, when they can, you know, call you for a consultation, um, what are some of the things that, that you take them through, you know, when they're, when they're asking you for advice on on how to use medical cannabis? Well, usually when somebody is contacting us for a consultation, um, we have a a few people for them to choose from. Uh, we have, you know, a medical doctor and we have a, um, a few other people who have been through um, some cannabis education, but typically it's 
it's a family who is extremely new to the whole concept of using cannabis for their child and they're very scared of you know doing the wrong thing just just like you know I was and so they're really looking to us for education so we go through and we do our best to educate them about the um the endocannabinoid system and depending on their child's condition will kind of um, gear it towards towards their condition as to what profiles to lean towards um, for their child's condition and what um, some ad, some guidelines to to do as far as like you know eating healthy healthy uh, fatty foods with with their child's dose and and um, you know spacing it from benzos just some like really good guidelines that they will, you know, they may not find on Facebook or online. And because Facebook can sometimes be a shot in the dark as to whether your advice is good or bad. So we do a lot of um, hand-holding, and um, we remind them, you know, that this, you know, doesn't replace your doctor's advice. We're just here to to be your source of education and um, and and really – you know, handhold them through the process. And, and does Riley ever talk to people sometimes or, or no? Um, not for a consultation. Now, sometimes she'll be here while we're, while we're doing a consultation and um, they'll ask us questions about her and um, I'll, I'll ask them, Hey, do you want to say hi to her? And, and for some reason it, it always gives them hope, you know, especially if their child has seizures or, or their child does have tumors, it does give them hope, and they love talking to her. So um, if she happens to be here and she, or she's not in school and they do want to talk to her, we'll, let, you know, we'll put her on speaker and let them talk to her. Um, and they do love that. And, oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, I bet she's yeah. a really great resource, you know, especially if, there's, uh, if they have a kid there that mm-hmm. has questions. You know, maybe she could even talk to, talk to the child that's going to be treated, you yeah. know. You'll have usually to bring her on staff the, as a consultant. Yeah, I know. Well, usually what they want to ask her is, how does it make you feel? Or does it make you feel sleepy? You know, because they want to know what their child's going to feel like. And um, so that's always interesting. They, they kind of want to um, hear from her perspective what it's like to take the, take the medicine and stuff like that. So, um, but we do have uh, medical advisors that sometimes they'll call us and, and they'll say, uh, well, my child is going to go on, um, you know, this antibiotic. Is it going to interact? And, and, you know, they'll email us the question and we'll say, well, hang on a minute. Let, let's find out. Let's call, you know, our pharmacist who's an advisor and we'll send him their email and then have him, you know, answer the questions. So, you know, we're not relying on our non-medical selves to answer all these questions. We do have um, medically trained advisors to fall back on if they do ask a medical question. So that's right. really, so really, really you, nice you have people have. helping you, of course. That makes sense. Because oh, yeah. you want to have real doctors yeah. on, on staff yeah. to be able to give people advice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, because it's very important to know, like, which medicines um, could interact with cannabis and which, which which medicines are using the P450 pathway. And and I I really don't like to rely on myself because I'm not a medical professional. Um, 
And so, and I think it's very important to to not rely on somebody that you don't know on Facebook to answer your child's medical questions. No, so, definitely not. Um, <laughs> you don't want to rely on <laughs> Facebook or social media for, for something that important. But people can go to your website if they want to set up a, a consultation with you or one of the doctors, mm-hmm. and they can go to RileySunshine.com and yeah, set so that up. Is that right? That's the, the correct right. website. Yes, and we have somebody who does education on mitochondrial diseases and seizures. Um, we have somebody who does um, autism and um, ADHD and seizures. And then our doctor, um, he does um, addiction, pain, um, uh, side effects from chemo and women's help. And so, and anything that, you know, we can't answer, he usually can because he, he just, He's really knows so much, though. And over the past five years that you've been doing this, you've really become an advocate and a consultant for people, and you've learned so much about this. And I, I didn't realize how much success people were having with using cannabis with autism. And I'm sure a lot of people mm-hmm. would be interested in that. And in your experience with using cannabis for autistic kids, you've seen a lot of success, haven't you? Oh my gosh! Yes, um, yes, we have. Uh, um, we, I, I actually live in a, a very um, high autism populated area, and that was one of the reasons that uh, Riley wanted to push so hard for adding the autism petition. Is because you know her father is um, a special ed teacher, and in the summer he works with autistic children. And so since she has been a very, you know, since she was born, she's, you know, heard, you know, about the autism community and things that they struggle with. And then um, her little brother went to, um, he's in, he was integrated into a preschool, which was actually an autism school. And if, um, if you work for the district, you're allowed for your child to be a regular peer in that school and it helps it helps with the um, autism community for them to have regular peers um, in their preschool. And so we're very close to the autism community here. And so we see how the families are struggling so much. And so we also know a lot of these families and have been able to um, be a part of their education into the whole cannabis therapy. And we've seen such wonderful transformations and the quality of life of these children using cannabis. And, and some of the, to, some of the transformations yeah. have really been dramatic, right? Some of the success stories where kids that had been yeah. nonverbal were actually able yeah. to communicate a little bit better. Yes. Yeah. Kids that um, are, are, you know, suddenly verbal after about six months. Um, we've even had kids who, um, you know, you he, they had siblings that they could not even be in the same room with. They had to be locked away in a different room where, you know, they could, you know, really injure their siblings terribly. And now, you know, the siblings can all climb on each other and play. And, you know, it's just, it really warms your heart to see them playing and, and not be in fear of, of, you know, them hurting each other. And so that is just, when you see the, the transformations, it just, 
it's it's like your whole body smiling because you just you know that you know you being able to help educate that family was a step forward for them to start trying this so right it's got to be so rewarding and just the work you're doing is so important and we just have a few seconds left but i'm so glad that you and riley could join the show today and educate the listeners out there on what's really happening with cannabis how it's curing people the research that's being done and i hope people go to the website rileysunshine.com and it's R-Y-L-I-E, because I, I know there's different spellings of Riley, and I remember looking for it, and I had the name wrong, so I want to make sure people get it right. So it's R-Y-L-I-E-S sunshine.com, and they can find out all about you and about Riley and the amazing work you're doing. And thank you both so much for being on the show. This has been so great to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.